This is Gritty Girls, a place where you can come to process the issues and topics your girlfriends, family, or coworkers may or may not be discussing. However, you're thinking about these issues. Let's dive into them together. Hi, everyone. I'm Leslie Campbell. And I'm Christina Lee. We are the Gritty Girls. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject that a lot of people can relate to, and we simply call it Snapped. Yeah, or losing it. Or losing it. Right. So you had actually brought up uh, the idea for this episode, so Mm -hmm. you must have some stories. More than I wish I had. I actually have a few, too. (laughs) You know, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but at the time, I was really stressed out. I mean, so you have to share. So tell me, why why did you come up with this um, topic idea? Well, I'm going to go back in time hmm. uh, when my son was three. And I I remember this particular moment because this was the first time I said a curse word in front of my kids. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Mom is human. I know. I had done a really good job up until that point of trying to shelter my children from certain words so here's kind of how it escalated. My son, who I now who I now know is ADHD, but during the time I, I didn't. I was very unfamiliar with that. But this was the time in his life that was really particularly trying um, because he was exhibiting all those symptoms yet didn't have all the verbal stuff yet to really, you know, express how he felt. And of course, I didn't really know the best way to deal with him either. And So we were getting ready to leave the house, and I asked him to please come to me so I could help him put on his shoes. He looked like he was ignoring me. I said, no, hey, I need you to come here. Totally distracted, playing with the toy. Christian, I need you to come over here. Again, nothing. And, of course, I'm already feeling anxious because um, I hate being late. And then finally it happened. Christian, get your ass over here so I can put on your shoes. Mm. And I'll never forget. I remember it was like this snapped kind of moment where the words just flew out of my mouth without me really even thinking about them. It was kind of like water that had been held behind the floodgates and the flood is rising and rising and rising and rising. And all of a sudden it just breaks and it comes out. And I'll never forget how horrible I felt. Now, on one hand, yes, my child should not be ignoring me. He needs to come the first time I ask him. However, I did not handle it the best way. And, of course, had to apologize afterwards. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. You know, that mounting, it mm-hmm. really is like a volcano. You know, now that I'm a little bit older, you know, I'm more aware that it's starting to build. But when you don't have the skills, it's really a lot of it is right under the consciousness. It's subconscious. I kind of like to dig into some of the things that cause these. Um, We all have stressors and, and you don't even have to have kids have stressors. Maybe it's something at work, just a nagging problem that doesn't seem to go away and it just builds over time. That's right. In yeah. fact, the definition, some say these minor events mm-hmm. that end up overwhelming you. Right. Or it's one bigger event that just triggers. Sets you off. Right, that yeah. sets you off. So I looked up the definition of snap. It's when the, quote, ability to cope is overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. When a person is at the breaking point. When someone's automatic rage response is triggered. 
Yeah. Right. So you have from the very common cases where someone snaps at a store clerk to the extreme where a mental breakdown occurs and you have like a road rage incident. But they're all along that same continuum caused by anger, Mm -hmm. which is caused by stress and anxiety, all of those things that overwhelm us. Yeah. And I think oftentimes people are surprised at their response because, you know, most of us like to, to believe that we're good people, right? We're nice people. We, we want to be kind to others. Um, we want others to like us. And none of us likes to believe that we are capable of these moments of rage, these moments of outburst. So many of us can relate to these outbursts, including one of our girlfriends, Giselle, a business owner and a mother of two. Her snap story is shared by an increasing number of parents out there. Hello. Hi, friend. Hi. Are you at home? Uh, yeah. With the kiddos. Have you snapped at them yet today? <laughs> we <laughs> had like a poop incident. There was want... definitely snapping with that and yelling, oh my God, hold his hand. Oh, no. <laughs> he likes to explore, you know, so luckily he was on the bed and like bleached the sheets and stuff, you know. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it was on the sheets? It's... Yeah, it's easier, though, than, like, it getting on the wall, you know? Oh. Okay, so, Giselle, you Um, have to clarify, right? Because, you know, Johnny is, he just turned four, right? So he's not potty trained yet. Right. And that's because he is a neural, and you you were teaching me this the other day. (laughs) He is neurodiverse. Neurodiverse? Yeah, he's on the autism spectrum. And, And so I think one of the things that, um, you can really relate to with other parents in your position is what are the special situations where, you know, you snap because your expectations for Johnny, you know, really can't be the same as it is for your other child. So you're having to really alter your expectations all the time. So I would say, you know, snapping becomes a different definition. Whereas snapping used to be like me freaking out over something for no reason. Uh, snapping has now become more of an emotional feeling of like helplessness. Mm-hmm. The breakdown of uh, containing emotions and trying to be uh, happy all the time mm. and trying to like hold it in all the time. He's like a giant one and a half year old in like a lot of behaviors and like he can't communicate and all of that. It's harder and harder to kind of like look at him and think of him as still a baby. But it's like, no, he's four. He's like a preschooler. Uh, it was coming up to bedtime, and I think he was, like, really hyper. I just remember being very much on edge. And it was my night. Steve and I take turns to kind of keep our cool because it takes about an hour for him to go to sleep. And on a bad night, it takes several, and you're just laying there with him, like, hoping he'll go to sleep. He starts jumping, and he's laughing, and he looks like he's having a good time. And I'm thinking, like, oh, damn, it's going to be, like, that kind of night. <laughs> <laughs> and I just start crying, Aww. like hysterically, you know. And then I like cover myself with a pillow, and Steve's like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" And I'm like, oh, no, no. "And I can't even talk." And uh, and finally, Steve's like, "You need to not put him to bed tonight." Oh, <laughs> what a good husband. I'm beyond know, anger. Yeah, right. But <laughs> underneath that breakdown, though, are some of the same 
factors, right? Anxiety, fear, uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was anger, right? There's still anger mixed in there. Yeah. Oh, why? Oh, I'm pissed. Like, why the hell is this happening in my life? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that that was, like, major in that particular night. It was like, uh, there's so many things I'm pissed off about. Then I'm pissed off that, like, a lot of times it is super lonely even though people like try and understand and you know friends are great and whatever but like even within a couple you know on that particular night it was like i'm pissed off that steve's so strong all the time Mm. like why isn't he crying and and why do i have to feel the weak one because already like crying makes me feel super weak well there is something you said that stuck with me you guys do have a great support, and I know you have a wonderful family. You've got a lot of really great friends, but you mm-hmm. said that you still feel lonely. And I guess the way I took that, and, and it kind of it makes sense, really, because you can have the greatest support system in the world, but at the end of the day, it's you and Steve home yeah. by yourselves. At the end of the day, it is you two that are really having to be in the trenches. It's kind of... <clears throat> on you in a way to try to carve out time for yourself or to assess your needs and to reach out um, maybe to a friend or to Steve and say, hey, I'm drowning here. And I think also, like, even as, like, Steve and I have a great relationship, you know, we're a good team, but even in what we're dealing with internally can be isolating Uh, because even though he and I may be feeling the same things, we're trying to be strong for each other and be strong for our kids. And so if I'm being weak, then he just feels like he needs to puff it up a little bit more. And then I feel in those bur- in those times like as a burden. So that can be isolating. You have two children. So um, yeah. so you do have a child that is, is the correct term, neuronormal? Is that neurotypical. That, neurotypical. <laughs> I know, normal. That yeah. sounds so bad. <laughs> Cut that out, has a weird connotation. I didn't feel right, right saying neuronormal. Right. <laughs> I mean, it felt very wrong. Like, so right. since you do have a neurotypical child, uh-huh. can you think of an instance where you felt like, I'm about to lose it with this kid? <laughs> oh, my God. I lose it with him all the time. Like, <laughs> what makes him mature is having to deal with this. Mm-hmm. On, um, not just from, like, knowing that his brother is not going to play with him the way that, like, he expected his sibling to be with him. But, like, knowing that, like, mom's going to blow up at me and I'm just going to have to forgive her. Right. You know? So let's look deeper at why we snap. All of us can recount watching someone lose it. Well, you you see the woman yelling at the barista at Starbucks for putting the wrong sugar in her Uh, coffee that morning and just losing it. And so what that is happening right then, uh, according to one doctor, Dr. Douglas Fields, he wrote the book, Why We Snap, Understanding the Rage Circuits in Your Brain. He explains that, put simply, it's when the neural circuits that helped ancient humans protect themselves, Mm -hmm. they misfire. So he focuses largely on the physiological component of our anger response. He says, rage and violence is tied to the hypothalamus attack region in the brain. 
just below the cerebral cortex. Uh, it's also responsible for sex sexual urges. So that kind of oh, makes really? sense, right? Wow. Uh, scientifically, he says there are nine triggers for these aggressive snap responses that are rooted in neurology. So what happens is before our cortex, which uh, is where our conscious thought is, before that's even aware our amygdala has already received multiple sensory input, giving us these perceived threats that our conscious brain hasn't even had time to process. So, wow. so when you think about that and you see that in our modern world with all of its stressors, how our amygdala can easily confuse an illegitimate threat yeah. for a legitimate one. Even over, you know, too much sensory things coming at you, too much noise. I've seen you in that situation. Yes. But you explaining that process and what's going on in the brain, it makes total sense to me because all of those triggers were hitting that part of my brain without me really realizing it until that moment. Right, until that moment. Yeah. And the triggers, you know, he actually uh, gave it a name. He calls it life morts. Now, again, this guy is coming uh, completely from a neurological uh, point of view. So yeah. not so much a uh, psychotherapeutic point of view, right. but uh, a neurobiological point of view. So he's saying that he's calling it life morts. That helps us to remember uh, it a little easier so we can catch ourselves when we get triggered. So the L stands for life or death. Hmm. So life or limb, right? Yeah. This is when your life is threatened. Right. Uh, I stands for insult. When you hmm. get insulted, yeah. Now that's not life or limb, but you know when you feel insulted, right? right it, it can be it minor, that. it can mm -hmm. be major, or just perceived, right? Insult. Mm -hmm. Family, anything involving your family and their well-being, environment, mm. uh, your environment, that whether the environment feels threatening to you, because, like the gym that day, like the gym that day, right? Uh, your mate, you know, if you feel like you need to protect your mate, yeah, someone is insulting your mate. Order, order in society. Hmm. So uh, some of us, for me, I really get that. For me, it's order in society and within my household. Right. When I see things not being the way they should be, it triggers me. Hmm. I feel a lack of security when that yes. happens. Resources. If uh, your resources are being threatened, your ability to get to it. That makes me think of um, kind of the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Oh, Yeah. You know, Definitely. people, um, I used to live in New Orleans. We moved away a year before that happened. And I remember watching the Walmart that I used to go to just being raided. But you got to think, I mean, those people, I mean, all the triggers that they have been through. Right. What about, think of think of Black Fridays. Yeah. When people are, you know, running over people mm -hmm. to get to, I remember, Cabbage Patch dolls <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah, so, you know, resources, uh, tribe, if your yeah. tribe is somehow targeted, right, or you're yeah. protecting your culture, your tribe. Yeah. Lastly, stopped slash freedom. Hmm. If your sense of freedom is being uh, limited. Right. That's uh, also a trigger. So, you know, a lot of this, uh, for example, environment, for mm -hmm. example, you're in your car. You feel that's your environment. You right. feel an ownership of your environment. When someone cuts you off, when you get angry about that, that is a misfire. It is triggering this biological response from your ancient brain thinking that that is your territory that you have to defend. Right. So if you can be aware, then you can disarm that 
and laugh about it. I love this. I feel like I'm really learning something here. I know, right? I thought so too. I thought so too. So I really like what another, uh, now here I'm quoting a friend of mine who Mm -hmm. is a retired uh, psychotherapist. She comes at it from a slightly different point of view. So my friend, Dr. Sharon Berliner, who's retired now, says 20 to 30% of her patients came to her seeking treatment for their anger. She shares her thoughts for why people snap. You know, it's real easy, obviously, for parents to get overloaded Mm -hmm. with things. And that's not a very good way to live, in my opinion. You need to have time for yourself. And, you know, if you're snapping all the time, it may be partly because of that. It seems to be that there's this false sense of security by accomplishing those tasks. Right. And, you know, there's a, a super ego component to it also. Mm-hmm. Can you, you explain know, that, right, for some people who don't know? Um, well, the super ego is the part of the personality that's continually uh, critiquing and judging us. So the super ego puts a lot of pressure on people to have things, you know, work out a certain way. So when they don't, work out that way, then the superego is attacking them. And one response that people have to that is to attack somebody else. A lot of people don't ever develop skills around their feelings. That's something that you really need to have if you're going to be able to, you know, act appropriately or process feelings. Having a daily practice of some kind, I think, is is like super important for people, you know, to bring them back to presence. I think people that characteristically have problems dealing with their anger need to get some therapy, you know, because that is a difficult thing to work on all by yourself if it's a significant issue. And I had a sheet of paper I gave people called Rules of Conflict Resolution, where I would give them a list of things that they weren't allowed to do if they were going to work on this problem. Because the first step really is to stop doing the things that you're doing, you know, stop cursing, stop, you know, name calling, stop throwing things, stop hitting, then you need to keep your mouth closed and walk away. Uh, And that's, you know, that's one level of of beginning to work on it. But of course, obviously, you have to work on the, the deeper level of what's driving those feelings. You know, it could be super ego related. It could be that when that person feels put down in some way, you know, their response is to attack somebody else. That's, you know, but they're, so they're, they're multi-layers that you have to work on with a problem like that. How many people came to you because their anger was um, destroying their relationships? You know, I would say that most people don't have very good skills handling their anger. You know, that's not something that's typically taught in our culture. I mean, I think there are now becoming a few programs, maybe in schools and things like that, that are starting to, you know, deal with what's called emotional intelligence. I mean, that's really part of emotional intelligence is to be able to handle your feelings skillfully. But, you know, in our culture, we we tend to see examples of people that are not handling it skillfully, (laughs) you know, and that's probably the majority. I mean, look at all the violence in our culture. Right. They're blaming other people. They're hurting other people. They're putting other people down. They're not looking at themselves. Most people didn't have good models as kids. They, They didn't have parents that modeled 
you know, skills with anger. So, you know, where are you going to learn that? It's it's up to all of us individually to, to develop those skills. And it's like any skill, it takes practice. Nearly three U.S. women are killed daily by intimate partners. Oh, wow. A quarter of women experience intimate partner violence, with 68% experiencing non-fatal strangulation. A quarter? A quarter of women experience intimate partner violence. That's that's not good. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's all from unprocessed anger. I was looking up, uh, I guess, when we started talking about snapped uh, Immediately, shaken baby syndrome came to my mind because anyone who's had a child knows how trying those, you know, first few months are. You're, you're on no sleep. And I was shocked to realize that shaken baby syndrome is actually the leading cause of child abuse death. And there's 1,300 cases per year. And that was from a 2016 study. So it's pretty recent. It's pretty recent, Yeah. So, you know, all these indicators point to a need to, for each of us to kind of watch what our feelings are doing. Know thyself, (laughs) you know, know your triggers. Yes, know your triggers. I think prevention is is really key here because you can't wait. You can't always wait until you're in the moment. I had had four straight days of constant interaction with people. And that's a lot for my little introverted soul. And when I woke up on Saturday, (laughs) I announced to my family, I'm not doing anything today. And when I say I'm not doing anything, what that means is, yeah, Zippo, I'm going to eat, I'm going to watch TV, I'm going to take Ella's friend home, and that's about it. And that's the first time I have done that in 13 years. When you told me that, I found it hard to believe. 13, first time in 13 years yes. that you just sat and watched TV. All day. It was glorious. In fact, I didn't want it to end. Uh, I was a little disappointed that I did have to leave the house to take my daughter's friend home. So I came up with a plan. Because I, I knew, because I was meeting her friend's mom, who, who was my friend. I love this. Oh, I'm, about to, I'm about to blow my cover here with her. But we were meeting her at a Target parking lot, okay, uh-huh. to do the, the, the kid trade-off. And I was like, you know, I just have this feeling. There's going to be some suggestion, like, oh, let's go to Starbucks. Or, or my daughter's going to be like, hey, can we go walk around Target? But moms, I'm going to give this one to you. Feel free to use it. I did not wear a bra. That is awesome. Genius. Oh, my gosh. That way, if my daughter had said, Mom, can we go into Target? Nope. Sorry. Can't. Not wearing a bra. Not wearing a bra. If my friend said, hey, let's go have a coffee real quick at Starbucks. She got some time. Oh, I'd love to, but I'm not Not wearing wearing a bra. bra. (laughs) Preemptive. Yes. Because I think I'm finally, finally, after 13 years, starting to clue in that I have to take time to myself, time to decompress because honestly, I went too long without having that because had I been taking care of myself like I needed to each and every day, I would not have needed the whole day at home without a bra on. Right. So I wanted to tell a story when I was engaged to my husband. We went to this butterfly pavilion. You know, it's pretty. It's like a two-level butterfly garden. And I noticed that 
there is a guy who is staring intently at a butterfly because he wants to take a photo. And he's just waiting for the butterfly to open its wings. Mm. You will not believe what he does. What? He gets out a toothpick. He just magically pulls out a toothpick. What? And I think, oh, no, you are not. And, oh, yes, he does. What? He is reaching toward the butterfly because he wants to pry the wings open. Wow. And I am getting more and more <laughs> angry inside. Yeah. Without hesitating, well, I'm sure, I, I mean, it was building, right? Yeah. And there was no question that I had to go and say something. Yeah. I marched right up to him and I said, you are not supposed to be touching the exhibit. <laughs> and he looked startled. And, I bet he was. Oh, my gosh, he did. He's like, mind your own business. I said, I will be getting a docent. I will be getting a docent. I will be getting a, You are not. I said, you're not. I just I couldn't believe what he was doing. So yeah. I am going off on this guy. You know, I wasn't saying any, I wasn't cursing at him. Right. I wasn't calling him names. You're a vigilante. I was kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, Butterfly justice. I was loud. And I said, do not touch the exhibit. <laughs> I'm sure he thought I was a bit crazed. But, you know, so that was a moment where I snapped. It, it's good to have a sense of justice, right? right? And to stand up for what is right. But at that moment... That young self, I know now that that was my hyperactive brain, that yeah. hyperactive amygdala response, mm -hmm. which uh, Dr. Field says uh, chronic stress and trauma can rewire the rage circuits, uh, making people, like my young self, more likely to snap even at minor provocations. Mm. Because honestly, when you think about it, that wasn't a major event. Right, but... I am a little impressed, though, because there's not a whole lot of instances where you get to threaten someone with a docent. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can find that humor in it. I can, too, at this I do. point. Um, at the time, you know, I wasn't aware. I was actually taking pride in my raging sense of justice. But the fact is, I didn't have to rage about yeah. it, right? I could have just gone and gotten a docent, like a right. normal person, mm -hmm. and pointed out the guy and said, yeah, you know, he's using a toothpick. And they would have taken care of it. I didn't need to confront this stranger and act like a maniac, right? And I wasn't a maniac, but I was certainly a bit... <laughs> uh, I was definitely overreacting, right? And so, you know, uh, this is what that you know, Dr. Fields was explaining, that this is this um, hyperactive, you know, response. So it definitely triggered that sense of social order that he was talking yeah. about. So there's a blog that I like to follow. Um, it's Addie Zierman. I hope I'm saying her name right. She had a really good blog post um, about depression, and she said that her spiritual director, instead of saying self-care, which, you know, we hear and we read a lot, you know, self-care. She has another word she uses for that. She calls it resourcing. And Addie says that the reason why this word stuck with her is because every time she would read about self-care or hear about self-care, she had pictured in her mind something luxurious, like 
the momentary relief of stress you feel maybe after a good soak in the bathtub or taking half the day off of work to go to a day spa. Um, And so it felt very luxurious, which actually placed a bit of stress on her because you feel like you don't have time for luxury. Or maybe if you're in the throes of depression, maybe you don't feel like you're worthy of luxury. And so instead, what resourcing does, because it's kind of the same thing, but you're framing it a little bit different. So whenever you're faced with a situation, you're asking yourself, is this a good resource for me? Or is this going to drain my resources? Um, Being able to recognize when your resources are being drained. And then what are some things that you can do in your life that can be a resource? Uh, For instance, some friends are a resource. It's someone that build you up, someone you draw strength from, someone you learn from. But then we all have people in our lives that drain our resources. They're constantly pulling and taking um, situations uh, such as maybe a difficult um, project at work that you're working on that can be draining at times. Um, and, And maybe a way to resource during that moment would be to stop, take a good break, and maybe take a walk down the street and back. You know, if that's something that would be a resource, you know, whatever it is to you. And I think it's different for different people. Well, it doesn't something have to like be a that. project, right? Yes. It can be just like that daily practice, taking yeah. five, ten minutes exactly. out. Exactly. You know, to just, you know, look outside makes a big difference. This is a good time to hear from someone ahead on the journey. Leslie's mom, a career woman who's raised her kids, is now a grandmother and can offer sage advice. Hello. Hey, Mom. Hey, how are you? Good. I can't really recall an instance where I would say you lost it on us. Yeah, I use a wooden spoon. Um, <laughs> I believe in the object, <laughs> so, and it worked very, very effectively. I probably, rather than being a screamer, I, I would try to... One, one thing that stands out is for the teenager that I think worked very effectively, at least with my youngest daughter, Amy. She was about 13, 14. We had had this thing at our church with the youth pastor had had all the parents come and did a talk about what kids are being exposed to at school these days. It was a a huge eye-opener. He gave us some printouts. One of them was some band that, you know, was performing nude on stage. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and it just so happened that she and a bunch of friends were wanting to go you know, there was a big event, you know, how when the group of kids get together. Right. And you hate, you hate to be the parent that says, well, <laughs> you know, you're not the one going. Because just to say that to him, she's not going to understand. So the way I handled it, I went in there and I had that paperwork of what we'd had from that meeting. And I just explained and told her, you know, as, as a parent, this is my responsibility. And this is something I don't take lightly as a parent and how I take care of you and the decisions that have to be made. And I'd much rather err on being wrong and, and safer than, than being too lenient. So I said, what I want you to do is, is look at this and read this, and you tell me what I should do. And after that, it, it just, I mean, she came out of the room. She was very clear. I mean, yes, yeah, she just still didn't like the idea that she couldn't go, but she totally understood 
Right. Mm-hmm. How'd you just yell at her and said, you're not going, I'm the mom, I said you're not going, and, and that's that, that's final. We could have had a totally different outcome. And she was able to come to the conclusion on her own, really. Right. Yeah, that was did. Right. That was a gift that you gave her. So basically, you did not make yourself the problem. Because right. if you had, then she would have blamed you right? versus mm-hmm. you putting it back on her to make her think about the right decision. Right. What the problem right. really was was that this did not reflect your family's values. Right. Because she, really, she hadn't really thought it through. She didn't see the situation. You know, children don't see, don't see the consequences a lot of times for things or right. can't look ahead. They just see what they want right now. Right. Um, <laughs> do you find it easier to deal with grandchildren versus your own kids? Every, every grandparent will say this. Well, it's nice to have them because you can always send them home. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> But on the other hand, that's not always in their best interest. Mm-hmm. Well, one time he spent the night, he got upset with me because I left the room to go in with his sister, and he was upset with me, and he really lost it and wanted to go home. <laughs> and this was like, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Thank you for not calling me at that time. But no, me. well, he called. I don't know if you, you probably oh. remember you were asleep. I mean, yeah, as a grandparent, you know, your first thought is, I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> but I felt like, you know, here, here's a teaching moment. Here's a learning moment. It would not be in his best interest for me to give in to him. So I chose to just deal with it. I tried to explain to him about how, you know, we don't need your mom driving at midnight to come pick you up. He just started, you know, banging his hands on the, on the, you know, really throwing a temper tantrum. Right. <laughs> and I just put my hand on his back, and I didn't say a word. I just sat there and rubbed his back until he Aww. calmed down. And so. then one last thing. I was wondering, do you remember, um, it was recent, when you met me when I was returning my rental car? Yeah, I, was, I wanted <laughs> to tell that story. Okay. <laughs> so the kids got in the car. You know, they didn't say hello, didn't say hi, how you doing, nothing. They just sitting there and they're both kind of grumbling at each other. And and then they start arguing back and forth. And, you know, it's just that sibling thing back and forth. And I'm just sitting there thinking, this is great. You know, and I said, I said, you know what, I, I, I think we might just, you, may, you just may have to get out of the car right now. And I'll just leave you here and let you walk because I was picking up to take them to pick up the other car. And I'll just take your mom. And if y'all are going to act like that, I'll just I'll just leave you here and let you walk. And which was not I mean, I kind of I was I actually was kind of losing it there. And uh, <laughs> Christian so calmly pokes his head up between the seats and he looks and very calmly says, Oma, if you did that, that wouldn't be a very nice person. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> always hate to hear parents make these, you know, like they empty know they threats. Really empty threats, thought, right? Yeah. They're not going to do it. I in that trap really bad. It, I, I think it's great what y'all are doing. I think a big part through it, I know through me when the kids were growing up, was was being able to have that um, have friendships to get through because it's good to be able to share with other moms because no one knows everything. So I looked up the top anger book on Amazon, and it's actually uh, Go F Yourself, I'm Coloring, (laughs) 900 reviews on Amazon. And it's a coloring book with 
curse words. I want being it. in the center and all embellished. It's amazing with patterns and flowers, so that mm. as you you know color that word, right, you can really feel you yeah. know yourself like getting that well, that you know, emotion out. I saw a craft online yeah. the other day, and it was this really you know pretty wreath someone had taken a lot of time putting all you know the floral arrangements on it and you know how the little bunting banners are really popular nowadays uh-huh. it had um two little bunting banners in there real cute and it just said fuck off <laughs> i love the juxtaposition of that right the contrast i know, I know. and i thought but you that's know what's what? so you can laugh about yes. it and feel cathartic and there's days where you just really want to hang something like that on your front door that's right that's right right. there you go (laughs) so get crafting (laughs) if you enjoy the show please leave us a review on the podcatcher where you find our show and subscribe because you'll be entered to win a gritty girls t-shirt during the first two months of our launch because we are a new show we need your help so subscribe Grab your iDevice, go to the iTunes store, and search for Gritty Girls Podcast. This will help you to download Apple's free podcast app if you don't already have it. Then, once you're on our podcast, hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are automatically downloaded onto your device. And for Android listeners, download the free Stitcher radio app and search Gritty Girls Podcast. For all others, you can find us on our website at grittygirlspodcast.com. And please join our gritty conversations by heading to our website where our next show topics are listed. Pick one that resonates with you. Call our chat line and record your thoughts. Quick one or two lines will do, and then you'll have a good chance of being on our show's WDYT segment for What Do You Think? We only have one rule. Enter the conversation with an open mind. Thank you for listening. Until next time, listen to understand, seek out growth, and keep the heart and mind open. for this last <laughs> Yeah, so head to our website at Gritty Girls. Mm-hmm. W, uh, yeah, I guess you don't podcast, need... Podcast. Yeah, we right? don't need to say www. No one says that anymore. Yeah, grittygirlspodcast.com. Okay, can I Don't reread that part? Yes, Because that. That, sound, that makes me sound like I'm 37. <laughs> <laughs> That's young, you know. You're speaking to a 45. It's old enough to still do the www dot. Yes, you may. Go ahead. Don't reveal your age. I'll just reread that one. Dinosaur. Uh